Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, church. <laughs> Where do you say to that? Um, that's uh, Craig Crochelle. Pastor Craig Crochelle is definitely one of uh, our, my heroes and inspirations and uh, read all his books, watched all his uh, content, listened to his podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit overwhelmed right now. Did that just happen? <laughs> Did that really just happen? So, um, wow. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we are just so humbled. This, this weekend, we had no idea that the staff leadership team was going to celebrate 20 years. Um, we just thought it was a regular weekend, found out Thursday night it was not going to be a regular weekend. So uh, there's been a lot of lying going on on my team. <clears throat> so we're going to have some, some repentance this week. Uh, there's going to be a prayer meeting if you'd like to attend. Uh, you can, yeah, no, I'm just kidding, but uh, we just feel incredibly honored and we feel loved uh, by this generous family in our church who, who gave us a car on Thursday night, which is just mind-boggling. Um, I'm a car guy. I don't know if anybody knows I love new cars and stuff, um, but it's a really, really expensive habit that we can't afford. So, uh, but, so that's just overwhelming and uh, we just feel just so honored. And you know, the success that we've seen over the years uh, absolutely is attributed to God's favor and he's, he's filled in the gaps for us and he's blessed our church tremendously. He's worked through all of you and our volunteers. As we've said uh, already, um, Pastor uh, Cody just said that, that, that we're on this relentless pursuit and you guys are inviting our friends. We've got like a hundred new guests every single uh, week coming, that's insanity. Uh, so you're inviting your friends and, and also to our staff. You know, no one, no one achieves success by themselves. And uh, behind every point person, or there's, there's always a, a, a great team behind them. And so that is, a, our team is no exception. We've got an incredible staff. And can we just give it up for our staff leadership team, our staff, our volunteers, all across all of our campuses. And so it's just, it's a privilege to be part of an amazing church and, and, a, and a staff. And so you have any thoughts you want to add to that? I know it's kind of, kind of putting you on the spot, but. Uh, I'm just really overwhelmed. I mean, <laughs> I, every time I see that intro video, I'm crying, you know, and so it, you, you notice new things about it and uh, it just brings back everything uh, that has happened over the last 20 years, the good, bad, the bad and the ugly. Mm -hmm. um, but we're just, we're thankful for all of it. God has used all of it. And um, I'm just overwhelmed at how you just, you give him what you have and he, he takes it and he uses it. And he brings people alongside of you that can fill in where you're weak and where, uh, where you don't have strengths, they have strengths. And he just has created a, an amazing team. And uh, it blows my mind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, thank so thank you. Thank you, church. Uh, it's, 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 a great, it's a great honor to be your pastor. 
So now transitioning into what I thought was supposed to happen this weekend uh, was just a conversation about family. We are actually ending this series, two-week series uh, on called The Perfect Family. And we just wanted to, Jack and I wanted to kind of pour out our cup uh, when it comes to family and parenting in hopes that it's something will be encouraging, inspiring uh, to those of you who are raising kids. You have little kids. Some of you have teenagers like we do. Um, maybe you're, foster fam- you have, you're fostering some kids. Maybe you have a blended family. Maybe you've adopted uh, Maybe you don't have a family yet. I think this is some great information you might hear today to help you in the future. Uh, Or maybe you're past the parenting years and maybe you can share some of this stuff with your kids who are raising kids. (laughs) That might be helpful. Uh, Or if you have no intention whatsoever to have kids, at least you'll get an inside peek into our crazy lives and to see what it's a little bit like like in our home. So uh, why don't you take us back to what we said last week, if if you miss it, what our goal of parenting was. So the goal that, that we, if to put it into words, is simply to develop children into self-sustaining adults who are also able to bless others. So, you know, we want our kids to be self-sustaining adults. We don't want them living in our basement. We don't want them uh, back, you know, for uh, Unless they're going to pay 30s. rent. If they come back, market rent would <laughs> right, be fair. Right, right. We don't want them back in their 20s, 30s, 40s. We want them to be self-sustaining. But not only do we want them to be self-sustaining, we want them to be uh, contributors to their community. We want them to be able to bless others. They, we want them to be amazing spouses, parents, co-workers, neighbors, uh, small group members. And so we want to, to be able to get them beyond themselves and their selfishness to think of others. Uh, those are the best kind of community uh, people that we can have. So that's our goal. And it, in keeping with that, we came up with five more principles that we feel like has helped us try, as we tr- still try, we're still trying to reach this goal. Uh, But the first principle we're going to share is not, it is a principle, but it's also just a decision that we made. It was the decision to to prioritize our marriage. And years ago, Jack, right in the beginning of our our marriage, we went to a weekend uh, seminar called Weekend to Remember. Anybody ever been to that? Weekend to Remember. And in that seminar, we learned this principle of oneness, which I guess I had read about before, but never really understood what it meant. It's rooted in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, you know, for this purpose, a man will leave his father and his mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Really, the seminar was a, a breakdown of what this term one flesh meant. It meant that, you know, the man is no longer going to be uh, this single unit. He's not going to think for himself. He's not going to act, you know, like a single person. He's going to act like he's on a team with his woman that, and the two will become one unit. So if you've ever been to a, a, a wedding, you know, usually there's some sort of ceremony that represents this oneness factor. Sometimes it's a sand ceremony. Two people will pour two different colors of sand into one vase, and, and you know, there's this mixture of, of sand, and it creates some, this unique blend of, of one thing. Sometimes it's a candle. You take two candles, you light one candle, you blow out the single candles, now you have one flame. That's the, uh, those rituals are there to symbolize the, the coming together of one flesh. What's interesting about the marriage relationship is that that one fleshness or whatever you want to call it, that oneness factor is not a reality in our relationship with our children. We are not one flesh with our children. So father-son relationship, daughter-mother relationship, mother-son relationship, father-daughter relationship, those are not one flesh relationships. 
the, only the marriage relationship has this element of being one flesh. So we don't have separate bank accounts. We don't have separate lives. We don't, you know, do separate. Everything that we do is, has come together as one unit. That makes our relationship different than our relationship with our children. It's not better. It's not that we love each other more. It's just a different relationship. It's the most important relationship inside the home. And so the reason why that's important for two, two reasons. Number one, it creates security for the children. Like our kids in our world today, not just my kids, but all of our kids, they live in a very crazy world, a very insecure world with friendships and social media and hurt and pain and, and you know, things that happen in the world. They hear about it on the news. There needs to be a place where our children can come and know that everything is okay. And that's their home. And so when, when we prioritize our marriage and when our marriage is strong and we're on the same page and we're loving each other, our kids can come home and be like, at least, you know, if life is crazy out there, at least it, it can be somewhat secure in here because mom and dad are on the same page. So that's the, I love that about prioritizing our marriage. The second thing is, uh, what are, what's the second thing? Uh, that it ensures that you have a marriage. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That if you, it ensures that you're, sorry, I forgot that. It, 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 I'm still thinking about Craig Rochelle. Mm -hmm. Was he just on the screen? Okay. Uh, so, wow. Um, anyway, so, so, it, so when you prioritize your marriage, it ensures that you have a marriage after uh, your kids leave. And, and I, I, I believe this with all, we believe this with all of our heart, that if you don't prioritize your marriage during the parenting years, you won't have a marriage when the parenting years are over. And so that's just something that, that we, we do. And, and share some ways that we try to prioritize Yeah, so practically a huge help has just been date night. And when our kids were little, we did a really good job of doing this every Thursday night we'd have the same sitter show up about 6 or 6.30. We would pay her. We couldn't pay all that well. And then after we paid her, there wasn't a whole lot of money left. So a lot of times we were using a discount card. <clears throat> Excuse me. We were buying a buy one, get one free sandwich, sharing a drink, going to the local bookstore and just walking the aisles, sitting in their comfy chairs, having some adult conversation, which was really nice. Um, so that was kind of how it was in the, in the early years. Now our kids are busy. They have a lot of extracurriculars, evening activities which we want to be at. So uh, a lot of times we're asking the kids to clean up dinner after we're done and we're heading out to the back porch or we're retreating back to the bedroom just to have a grown-up conversation. It's true. I was going to say to talk. Uh, yeah. Um, to, just to, to have a grown-up conversation and kind of unpack the day without the kids, the kids being around. This is really important. If you are, have trouble finding childcare, your campus provides affordable childcare multiple times a week. So mm -hmm. you need to approach your campus pastor and get more information about that. The, another important thing is that it wasn't this big romantic gesture, you know, with a $60 dinner and a movie night. It was, it was just, it wasn't the, what we did, it was that we spent time away, that we spent time just being us, the couple that, that fell in love. So that was really important. The second thing is vacation. Um, a whole week away from the kids, uh, because when you bring them with you, it is not a vacation, it is a 
trip. Nice. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, we have been really blessed with parents who will come and step into our roles for, for a week while we're away. And that has been amazing. There have been times when they were unable to. And it has been so important to us that we have picked a young married couple to come. We pay them to come live in our home. And I think it's probably really good birth control because they're like, this is crazy. Let's wait a little while to have kids. Uh, but no, that's how important it's been, is that when the easy way is removed, we're, we're finding a way to get away. Um, if, we, if you can't do a week, do a long weekend. If you can't do a long weekend, do an overnight. Go 30 minutes away and rent an Airbnb. If you can't do an overnight, get with another family in your small group and, and trade sleep overnights. Uh, it's just really important that no matter how you do it, that you're prioritizing the marriage and connecting again to who is this person? You know, it, the parenting kind of, you, you change roles and it's just, it, it takes away some of that personal, who is this person that I chose to start a family with in the first place? Why did I choose to start a family with them in the first place? Oh yeah, now I remember. Tall, you know. dark, handsome. <laughs> yeah. I could keep going. Yeah, that brings us to our third point. What's our third point? Humility, yeah. humility, <laughs> that's our third point. Second point, actually. Oh, um, sorry, I got ahead of this. So honestly, you know, humility is such an important part of, of what makes our family, you know, kind of overcome the bumps and the bruises. Every family is, is gonna hurt one another. I, I always think of family like porcupines trying to get close together, uh, you know, just poking each other. Um, and so there's a lot of friction, there's a lot of hurts, uh, offenses, so there must be a lot of forgiveness, there must be a lot of I'm sorry's, uh, rec uh, reconciliation. And the thing that makes that possible is this character trait or quality or attribute called humility. And James chapter 4 verse 6 is a verse that I memorized years ago. It simply says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, I'm of the opinion, I don't want God to oppose me. I don't want him to look down on earth and say, hey, we got to block this guy. You know, he's trying to go over here. Let's, let's stand in his way. Let's stop him from, from doing what he wants to do or trying to go further, uh, further with his life. I want God to look down from heaven and say, ah, let's help this poor guy out. You know, let's, let's, get, let's get behind him. He, he doesn't really know what he's doing, so let's support him. Let's give him some wisdom. Let's fill in the gaps. That's what I want. Well, if I want God, if you want God, if we want God, like to show us his favor, that comes through humility. And humility is simply this awareness that, you know what, I'm broken inside. I don't have it all figured out. I'm messed up. There's things that need to be healed up inside of me. Would you please help? That's humility, really, in, in putting it in my own words. And that, that sense of humility allows a person to go to another person and admit they were wrong or that they're sorry and to seek forgiveness. This just happened a couple weeks ago. Um, something got me super angry. Um, I saw something on social media, and I, I don't get ang this angry very often. It's rare, but I got so angry over something I saw on social media, and it had to do with my son, and so I called him in the room, and I wanted him. I wanted him to be so, I wanted him to be just as angry as me, and I wanted him to take action, and uh, he just wouldn't budge. You know, he's like, don't worry about it, Dad. It's not a big deal. Let it go. And I was like, wow. So then I was angry that he wasn't angry, so I was doubly angry. You ever been there? You know? And all kinds of anger just, just messing with me, you know? And so I chased my other two kids out of the room, and I just lit into him for, you know, what seemed to be forever, and I was so angry with him, and uh, it was not my finest moment as a father. Um, in fact, 
<laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking, we're doing a parenting series in two weeks. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe they should put somebody else up there. But, but we never said we were perfect. Like, so this is all like, right? So that's yeah. okay. So, so we're messed. So, so about, you know, 30 minutes later, I'm sitting in my bedroom. I'm just feeling like a total loser. You know, like I just totally blew that. I didn't act like Christ. Um, and so I go upstairs and, you know, I, my son's in his bedroom doing his homework. And I just walk over to him and I just tell him, look, I'm, I'm messed up. I just something wrong inside of me and pride and ego and, and um, it's not right. And I, what I said was wrong and how I acted was wrong. And, and I, just, I, I, I just need you to forgive me. Will you forgive me? And, you know, he stands up. He's like taller than me now. <laughs> and he gives me this hug and he's, you know, tells me he's going to, it's okay, dad, I forgive you. And, and we just hug it out, you know, and maybe even shed a tear or two, like a good man tear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what made that possible was, what I'm telling you, it was just the humility to say, I'm just an idiot. I really am. Some, are, are you aware of that, guys? Because this starts with the dads. And I know there's some single moms here trying to raise family. But if, if you're, it, it really does start with the father to, to go take that first step. Because well, here's what will happen in the home. Well, if he's going to humble himself, then who am I not to? If dad's going to take the first step to admit, you know, uh, and it's true anyway. Everybody knows it anyway, even if you don't admit it. They know, you, they know you're a bonehead. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. humility. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear you admit that he's taller than you. That's humble. That's humility. Barely. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like give him a haircut, we might be the same height. <laughs> okay, so our third principle is kindness. Uh, everybody has a culture in their home. You have a culture in your home. If you stop to think about it for a couple minutes, it will come clear what it is. Uh, maybe it's a culture of joy, of encouragement, of fun and excitement. Um, maybe it's a culture of silence, uh, of maybe harshness, harsh words, or disappointment, anger. Um, everyone has a culture. I knew really early on that I wanted a culture in our home to be kindness. I grew up in a home with three sisters, and our home was very quiet and gentle. And we argued for sure, but it was never yelling, screaming, dra- knock down, drag out fights. You that know. was our home. Yeah. <laughs> Two brothers. Yeah. There was never any door slamming, anything like that. And I can always remember my mom saying to us to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. And that was just a common exhortation to be sweet, be kind. And of course, she was quoting Ephesians 4.32 to us, which says to be kind. And when you look at that verse and you research the Greek, uh, the Greek word for kind, uh, it actually means comes from the verb that means to use, I use. And I thought, well, that's weird to be kind to use. And so then you look back at the verse before Ephesians 4.31, which says Paul is telling the Ephesians what to get rid of, to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, because those aren't useful. Mm. They're destructive. They don't build up. They tear down. They don't edify, they discourage. So Paul is telling the Ephesians, get rid of everything that that tears down and and discourages. Instead, be kind, be useful, be helpful to each other. Say things, do things for one another that are helpful, kind, edifying, lifting up a builder of the other people in your family. Uh, So that has been important to us even uh, in the classroom. When my kids, uh, we went for parent-teacher conferences 
education is important, and I always really appreciated the teacher's time that they would spend uh, coming up with all of the data points and the writing samples and all of the numbers that were very important. But at the end of his or her presentation, my first question was always, yeah, but are they being kind? Are they helping their classmates? Are they being good friends? Or are they being destructive and rude and selfish? Because the character that is being formed in these younger years is going to be the character that they are going to take with them into their grown-up relationships. Uh, so we have just tried to create a culture of kindness by modeling, being kind to one another. There's no name-calling, uh, slamming doors, uh, we try to, you know, if we argue, when we argue, uh, we try to do it away from the kids. Uh, and calling timeouts within the family and just saying, hey, you know, and this probably happens like every day. And, and maybe I don't call timeouts every day because I'm tired and I'm busy and my mind is somewhere else. I, it, I let it slip a lot. Uh, but just trying, make it a goal to call a timeout, hey, Try again, that was rude. Yeah, we don't talk to each other that way. Or yeah. We don't say that to each other. Yeah, why would you say that to one another? You know, your brother, sister, you love each other. You should love each other. So uh, kindness has been important. And the other thing is like, I shouldn't have said that to you. <laughs> A lot mm -hmm. of it is owning, owning it too. I struggle with that. You're so much better at being kind. Thanks. You're so kind. <laughs> you are. Well, thanks. Yeah. But what's the temptation for everybody? What is the temptation for everybody? Well, the temptation is to treat people according to the, what we think their behavior mm -hmm. deserves yeah. that in the home. And so somebody acts selfishly, they get attacked for being selfish, or they do something not smart, and they get called names. And, and I struggle with that, and it's a, real, it's a real difficulty to do that. So what helps us, or at least what helps me, and you seem to do better than this than I do, is just to try to remember to treat my children the way God has treated me. In Psalm 103, verse 10, it says this, he does not punish us for all our sins, and he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. And so it's, it's a great reminder for me to say, you know what, talk to your kids the way I talk to you. I mess up all the time. If God treated me the way I deserved, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Do you agree? So in light of that, how should I treat my kids? Well, I should probably do the same thing for them. I should probably be gentle and kind, even though I, they may have messed up or done something wrong. So... That leads us into our fourth principle, mm -hmm. which is discipline. Who wants to talk about discipline? Yeah, this is really fun. fun. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> what did you say to me earlier? Spank them good, spank them often, something like that. <laughs> I was teasing. Sure was you were. Sure you were. Uh, no, discipline. This is big. This is big. <laughs> especially, especially when the kids are young. Okay, so here's our idea of what discipline really is. It's really an understanding that there are consequences for your behavior. And this has to start super, super young. So if you've got little kids, man, nail this early. It, it'll bless you on the back end in the teenage years. Um, but yeah, so just helping the kids understand there's consequences for certain behaviors. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, this is written from a father to a son. Listen to this. Discipline your children while there's hope. Okay, there's a window of time here, uh, and and the, and the, he goes on to say, otherwise you, mom, dad, you may ruin their lives. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means: if they're under your roof, there's still hope. Once they leave, 
we're in trouble, right? So while they have, while you have them under your roof, make sure you help them understand that there are consequences for their behavior. If they don't learn that under your roof and they leave your house and they really don't understand the consequences for behavior, they're going to run into the police department. They're going to have a boss who fires them. They're going to get in trouble and they might even end up in a jail cell because when they were under your roof, they didn't, they didn't connect the dots between if I do this, I get this consequence. So that's really our passion when it comes to discipline, helping the kids understand there's consequences for the behavior. Two things that are important to us when it comes to discipline, being on the same page, which is really tough. You know, kids are like sharks. When there's blood in the water, they know. They know if mom and dad are not on the same page, they will go after it and try to leverage that. So you have to be on the same page. What, the, what are the standards and what are the consequences? And the second thing I would say to, that, uh, to, to the discipline issue is to follow through, follow through. If you say you're punished for this, follow through on this punishment. If you don't follow through on the punishment, they will sniff that out and they'll say, well, it's no big deal. I can keep doing whatever I want to do because mom and dad won't follow through. And so you have to do what you said you were going to do when it comes to discipline. Yeah. Um, it's hard to follow through sometimes. Yeah. As, especially when... Um, so, so I'm the follow-througher for the most part, and, and he's the rule setter some, for the most part. Most, most everything we agree on, but occasionally he'll just come up with like this random rule, like on the fly, out of the middle of nowhere without talking to me about it. And so a couple months ago, he was frustrated with the amount of video games that were being played. And so just at dinner, I think we were at dinner sitting around the table, he said, from now on, before you play video games, you have to read 10 pages of a self-development book. And we're all like, what? I thought it was a divinely inspired thought <laughs> from the Holy Spirit. I really felt that. So I struggle to follow through because I forget and the kids conveniently forget. And then he comes home and says, well, did so-and-so play, you know, read their pages? I'm going, I don't know. I, I mean, I totally forgot. I, I, so. It's not a perfect system. No, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> But, you know, it, I think it's important to reiterate that it's okay for them not to like you. It's okay that if you set the rule and it makes them a little sad or mad, that's a healthy tension. If that's happening, then you're doing the right thing. And if it's never happening, then maybe you're, you need to be a little bit more disciplinary. Uh, North Point Community Church did a series called Future Family, and in it they outlined the four stages of parenting, which we love, so we wanted to share with these you. These are super good. Write yeah. these down. Yeah. So the first stage is, are the discipline years. This is ages one through five, and this is where, as Danny was saying, they're just learning that there are consequences for your behaviors. So, for example, you just don't hit others. If you hit other people, there will be a consequence. Uh, the second stage are the training years. This is ages 5 through 12, and this is when kids are learning the why behind the what. So why don't you hit people? Because you won't have any friends, and no one will like to be around you. Uh, the coaching years is the next stage. Uh, that's ages 12 through 18, and that's where we're doing more connecting than correcting. We are coming alongside them as a coach, and we are actually allowing them now to suffer some of the natural consequences of their behaviors. So... If you hit someone, now you have a black eye, and that's what happens when you hit people. You know, now you have a natural consequence, or let me help you work through your anger as a coach uh, to kind of follow that example through. 
And then the last is uh, the sweetest and probably the, the best stage, which we're, we're entering now, are the friendship years, ages 18 and up. And this is where if you've done the hard work on the back end, if you've done the, the discipline, yeah. yeah, on the, sorry, on the front end, uh, you get to reap the rewards of your hard work and enjoy a friendship. And those training years, man, they're long. They feel really long. When you're in it, you just feel like you're disciplining all the time and it makes you sad because you want to have fun with your kids. Uh, but it's, it just, there were days when he would come home and I would just be like, man, I feel like I have just disciplined the kids all day long. And it, it's not a fun place to live, but hopefully you get that foundation set and mm -hmm. can kind of build on it and then get to the, to the greatest part, which is that friendship season. Uh, Andy's quote is awesome. And he says, they won't like you now, but they'll like you later, and later is longer. Mm -hmm. that's good. So I think that's really important. Yeah, so let's wrap it up with our last principle, which is really discipleship. You know, parents are the primary spiritual influence in their kids' lives. And we believe that, we know that, that's just a reality. And so our goal is to transfer our faith to our kids, so that their faith becomes real, and it's their own faith, it's not our faith. And um, if your faith... If your relationship with God is real, your kids will know it. And, that, and they're looking and they're watching to see. Well, they know how everybody else is living at school and everybody else is living in the world. And then you're out here at home trying to talk to them about God this and the Bible this and God this. And they're trying to weigh it out like, does it work? Should I do it mom and dad's way? Should I do it what everybody else is doing at school? And so it's so incredible, incredibly important for kids to see that your faith is actually real. So a couple of ways that we do this is through modeling, and then Jackie's going to explain uh, two other ways. But the first one is modeling, and just really living out our faith in front of our kids so that they can see that it works for us. So how do we go through stressful periods or difficult times? Do they see us having uh, joy in our hearts or peace in our hearts as we go through something challenging or difficult? You know, what, do they see us living out the principles in this book and the values of this book, or do they hear us talking about it and then doing something different in our private life inside the home? Like, do they see that there's congruency, that there's integrity? And that's really the, the biggest part. We believe that discipleship or faith is more caught than taught. So it's not like I'm the pastor, so hey kids, come in here and every night we're gonna study the Bible and I'm gonna teach you the Bible. Every, like that's not what my, my kids would not like that. <laughs> Sometimes I do that, but they don't really like it. Um, and, and so just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean they're all like, oh, Father, teach us the Bible. <laughs> you know, that the prophet is not honored in his own town. You know what I'm talking about? So, so, um, so I know that. So my best chance to transfer my faith to them is just that they see it's real, that they see me reading this book every morning uh, at, at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee, journaling my prayers, that they see me living it out and they see Jackie living it out in our everyday lives. So that's the first thing is modeling. Talk about yeah. the last two. Yeah, the second would be engagement with the church and just prioritizing engagement with the church. You know, we're our, our kids' primary spiritual influence, but the church wants to come alongside us as parents and alongside you as parents to just give you support in that journey of everything that you're trying to do on a day-to-day -day basis at home. Uh, so there are age-appropriate environments for ages birth through six. If you're in a service right now, there is a place for your kid to be right, uh, right now. And it's not just 
babysitting back there. They are getting God's word. They're learning his truth. They're memorizing scripture. So that's amazing. Uh, Grades 7 through 12, those kids are invited into a service to engage in this content, but they also are given a monthly uh, verb night where they meet here on a Sunday night. They have food and games out in the front. If you've never seen it, you need to stop by. They totally transform that lobby area, the e-cafe, and the kids come in for their very own worship service where they will have a talk that's designed just for high school and middle school students. Uh, we talked about serving last week. That's huge. Also, camp is a great jumping in opportunity for your kids to get involved and engaged. This may seem a little scary if they don't know anyone yet, but it's an opportunity for them to to meet those other kids and engage with the scripture and biblical principles for a multiple day stretch where they're away from home and they they get that opportunity uh, to get engaged with small group leaders as well. Uh, So those are just several ways that the church wants to come alongside you and support you in your parenting journey uh, and that we we, uh, implement all of those strategies in our parenting. But the last is just conversations. And that's simply just turning every opportunity, every experience that we have back to God and His Word and what God's Word says about it. Uh, In Deuteronomy 6, Moses is talking to the Israelites and he is just downloading to them all of the the laws and the ways that God has for them to live. Uh, And at the end of all of that, he wraps it up by saying, okay, here's what we need to do. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, whole, heart soul, and strength. And he wants, uh, we need to commit ourselves wholeheartedly to all of these commands. And then he goes on to say, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. So he's exhorting the nation of Israel to talk about God's laws when, all the time, where, everywhere. Memorize it. It talks about, you know, writing them on your forehead. Put it into your mind. Memorize it. Uh, We use word art, you know, in our home. We have scriptures hanging that are beautiful pieces of artwork that make the house look great, but they're also wonderful reminders of what is God's way that we can look back to. And for us, this is simply just talking about God and applying uh, His Word to situations in our lives when we're in the car, uh, in the morning, after school, at bedtime, at a mealtime. It's just all the time. Instead of, you know, only bringing in God's Word when you have a problem or only uh, bringing it up once a week when we sit down and have a devotional time or whatever. No, it's just the culture where we are looking at everything that happens in our life through the lens of God's Word. Um, But as we wrap up our discussion, you know, it's important to to point out that all five of these principles, again, have come from the Bible, and they find their source in God, in Jesus. Uh, He is the source of these ideas, but He's also the source through which we find the strength to implement them or attempt to implement them as parents. Um, I am always just praying and asking God to fill in my gaps because I fail every day. There are things that I forget to do. There are things that I know I should do that I don't. As a parent, there are things that that I miss. And I know that I fail as a parent, but you know who doesn't ever fail is God. 
He's the perfect parent. He's been the perfect parent to me. And I'm always praying that God would reveal himself to my children as the perfect parent. That I wouldn't be a lid on their faith. Well, mom didn't do this or dad didn't do this. So, you know, I, I can't move forward. No, mom struggled, dad struggled, but God never failed me. God has always been there. And he has always shown himself to be faithful in the ways that my parents couldn't or didn't at the time. Yeah. I think we've learned more about God through parenting sometimes than going to a Bible class or, or a sermon. Um, being a parent is probably the hardest thing that we do. Do you agree, raising kids, raising anybody? Yeah. It's so hard, it's so hard. But the rewards are, are so, so worth it. You know, I think one of the greatest things that we, we think about or we're trying to do is to give our kids a picture of God through our parenting. And there's so many opportunities to do that. I'm sure we miss so many others, but um, when disciplining children, for example, you know, one night one of my kids was in trouble and it was time to give out a punishment. And instead of giving out the punishment, I said, you know what, tonight you're gonna get mercy. Mercy, what's mercy? Oh, you wanna know what mercy is? <laughs> mercy is not getting what you deserve. Right now, this is what you deserve. I'm not gonna give it to you. Oh, wow, I like mercy. <laughs> yeah, I do too. You know where I got that idea? Our Heavenly Father. He does not treat us according to what we deserve. You get this, you understand this? That's called mercy. You know what makes mercy possible? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the source of mercy. See, God, the Father, punished Jesus so we wouldn't have to be punished. So we don't get what we deserve because Jesus paid that penalty. Through our parenting, we get to show our kids a picture of who God is. Through discipline and through rules and through standards through failure. We get, to, we get to show them a picture of the kindness and, and love of God. Maybe today this isn't about parenting for you. Maybe this is about you and God. Understanding that He is a, a God just waiting to give you mercy, just wanting to give you grace, wanting to give you forgiveness and show you His love. He had His Son die on the cross for you so you would not be punished for your sin. Have you received that? Have you embraced that gift of love into your life? We have. And Christ is the source of our parenting. He's the source of our relationship, our marriage. He's the source of our strength. He fills in the gaps when we blow it. He fills our hearts with joy. Do you need to put your faith in Christ today? If you'd like to do that, if you'd like to reach out and just Receive God's mercy in your life and His grace. I'm gonna say a simple prayer of faith. It's a very simple prayer, a child can pray it. In fact, one time Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you may not enter the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you just take these words and you, <clears throat> and you put them into your own thoughts 
and you reach out to God as if no one else were here, no one else but you and God, and you just ask him to forgive you and cleanse you and make you his child. Take these words and make them your own. Just say this to him. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for mercy, not giving me what I deserve. I put my trust in Jesus today, believing in my heart that he died in my place, that he took the penalty for my sin. I trust you. I believe in you. Wash me of my sin. Cleanse me. Fill my heart with your spirit and your joy and your peace. And from this day forward, teach me to follow, to honor you, to obey you, and to love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. At all of our campuses, can we give God glory today, everybody? Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, we would ask you to grab out, grab your phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 65248. Here's why. We would love to put a gift in your hands. It's a box, kind of like a shoe box. Inside this box, there is a Bible. A New Testament, there is a reading plan to go along with that Bible. There's also a guide to your next steps on your journey with Christ, how to get baptized, how to join a small group, how to join the impact team, all that fun stuff in here, along with a special mug. It's a sweet coffee mug from us to you. Um, please use it for coffee. Don't defile it with Mountain Dew or Diet Coke or something like that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but if you text the word SAVE to 65248, we'll grab, grab one of these at the back of the auditorium. Can we give God glory again today? Amen. Amen.